0: which, at least from my standpoint, was helpful for me, reminders about how God wants us to live. Now we're going to look at Luke chapter 15, and I'll be reading in just a few moments this passage of Scripture. Uh, But we'll be reading, actually, through verse 24, and I'm going to say this is really going to be part one, the two-part message on this particular subject. I've entitled the message today, Returning to a Forgiving Father, and it actually kind of fits with that last hymn that we just had. But let me read Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read down through verse 24. I think I have verse 21 in your sheet there, but I'm going to read down through verse 24. After I finish reading, we'll have a brief word of prayer. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing, And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house, And seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion around ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Heavenly Father, speak to us now through your word. Every one of us need to be reminded of your admonitions and that you do rejoice in seeing people repent of their sin and turn to you. And Lord, if there be somebody who's come today who's been straying away from you, I pray that today they would return. If there's somebody who's gotten far away from you, Lord, and needs salvation, I pray that today that would be something realized in their life, that they would truly put their trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you have caught this or not. If you read the passage of Scripture, you understand that our Lord has a heart for sinners. In fact, if you follow the Lord's heart, you also are going to have a heart for sinners. Now, there's some things that we're going to come into focus a little bit later on in the passage of Scripture about this prodigal son. But let me just say, to begin with, you might be here and say, I know I'm saved I'm the Christian, but I've strayed away from the Lord. And uh, maybe you've made some choices and you may feel like you're backslidden, you're not in fellowship with the Lord. But uh, you may feel like, I don't know if there's any hope for me to get back into favor with God again. Uh, Will the Lord accept me back? And I can assure you, not just based upon this passage of Scripture, but many others, if you come back to the Lord, he will, he will accept you back. Now, you may not be clearly sure or certain that you are a Christian. You accept a lot of things about Christianity, but maybe you don't, aren't sure that you're saved. And perhaps you've strayed away from the Lord, strayed away from God's truths, whatever. And you wonder, is there hope for me? I want to tell you, yes, there is hope for you. Now, I think it's very, very important before I get into the real heart of the message to give you a little bit of backdrop, background. My wife has done some work in art, and she spends a considerable amount of time doing the background before she actually puts some of the uh, the objects in there, persons or whatever it may be. Uh, and I want to give just at least some kind of background of what has happened. You Bible students understand that Jesus was was going against the Pharisees, the religious leadership, and they despised him. Uh, He was bringing light to their hypocrisy and, and ritualism and legalism, and boy, they did not like it. And to say it very bluntly, they hated him for it and eventually would kill him because He was exposing them for who they really were. One of the things that really, use a modern idiom, really ticked them off, really got them upset was how in the world could this one who was a master teacher, the one who had all these crowds following him, how in the world could he ever sit with sinners The publicans, the tax collectors who were not favored at all by the common crowd and certainly were not favored by the religious leadership. So when Jesus was with lost people, which he did, he would sit and eat with them. He would interact with them. That was appalling to them, for they would never do anything like that. That's a little bit of the background when we come to this passage because Jesus is going to give three parables. Two of them are relatively brief. One of them, of course, is the sheep that one of the sheep has gone astray and the shepherd goes and finds him. Then there's another one of this woman who lost a coin, very important. It might have some symbol of her being married, like losing a diamond ring or something, but she nevertheless finds it. After a great deal of search, she calls her friends together and they're rejoicing. And at the conclusion of each one of those initial two paragraphs, which sets the pace for the next paragraph, uh, the next parable, uh, you'll find these statements about how there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. That theme is repeated and actually in some ways climaxes in the story we call the prodigal son. Now, I'm just gonna give you just a slight advertisement about next week, because we're going to look at not just the first prodigal, we're gonna look at that first prodigal today, we're gonna look at another prodigal, because there's two sides to this, this account here. One is the one who strayed away, and that's like a Jewish person who strayed away, but they can come back to Jesus if they repent, the other one pictures the legalism, of the Pharisees, and that's the one we're going to deal with next time. That's the second prodigal. We don't always think of it, but that's the one who's gone away, and that's like the nation of Israel who'd gone away, and they were high and mighty. Like, why in the world would Jesus ever do something like that to them? Now I hope you don't, I don't lose you here. I want you to understand that Jesus is trying to get across to the disciples the multitudes these Pharisees that he loves people to come back to him and be saved and there's great rejoicing when that occurs we saw that if you listen carefully about the sheep that was found we saw that when the coin was found and we saw that the conclusion of not the chapter the conclusion about when this prodigal son comes back to his father Here is what I want you to fully understand, be reminded about, go home with it, think about it, dwell upon it, and may it be kind of part, part of your life. Jesus, or a heavenly father, can use either one of them, loves to see people repent of their sin and come to know him as their savior. And we should have that same heart. He wants us to be involved in that mission of trying to reach other people. Now we can't force it upon them, there's no question about it. And you'll see that even this father's human father in this parable is not forcing upon his son. We can't force it, but we have to be willing to forgive. All right, so that leads us to the thought in a certain sense that this certainly this Jewish nation had the blessings of God, but instead of finding their satisfaction in him, They, like the prodigal son, forsook the fountain of living waters, as Jeremiah said, and they tried to find satisfaction elsewhere. Is our Heavenly Father, or is Jesus willing to forgive and restore those who are repentant? Absolutely, absolutely. Our Heavenly Father is waiting to forgive all those who have strayed from Him. Jesus is willing to forgive us if we strayed away. I don't know where you're at. You could be be somebody when somebody... You came in this morning, and somebody says, how are you doing? And you smile, and you say, I'm doing fine. But inside, you're not right with God. You'd be somebody been saved for a long period of time, but you're holding back some things from God. You have some closets that you have not opened up and asked God to forgive you for. I assure you that Jesus wants to forgive you. Now, there are three necessary steps, I would say, that need to be taken. And now we're going to we're going to zero in on the situation of this prodigal son. All right, so here's the picture in brief. There is a man who has two sons. The younger son for whatever reason is fed up, maybe with the rules and regulations so on, and he's thinking, "Man, there's a more exciting life out there." And we can use it, the illustration I think the grass is greener on the other side. Whatever it is, he wants to sow his wild oats, and he does something so foreign to the Jewish culture, so strange and bizarre, it kind of probably flipped the Pharisees out anything that has happened. But here is this younger son coming to his father and saying, I'm through with this. I, I want you to give me my share of my inheritance. Now, according to the custom, it probably would have been one third of his father's entire estate. Now, from what I read, it's understandable, just like we would think. Normally, you wouldn't get part of that inheritance until your father died. But he's going to do something out of the ordinary. He's going to say, Dad, I want it now. Almost dishonor. It might have been also like, I wish you were dead, Dad. I don't want you any longer, but just give me my share. So whatever. He gathers it together, his dad is complicit about this. He he gives his son, who's rebellious, whatever portion he would have gotten later on. And the guy, this young guy goes off and he lives it up. The Bible says in riotous living. Our imagination can go wild in that particular area, but I tell you what, it was, he was doing wrong. There's no question about that. He went far away, it, from the text, it gives an indication. They eventually spent all his resources. At that time, they didn't have plastic. He didn't get a decent card from his father like some young people might do. He couldn't do that, so when he spent it all, what is he going to do? He's far faraway country. From what we would understand, it's not just in Israel or in a Jewish particular region. He's in Gentile territory, which is another amazing thing. The Jewish people wouldn't do that. But he goes, he's in Gentile territory. He's working in a farm, and he's working with pigs. And that's an abomination to the Jewish people and the Pharisees for sure. It's amazing, all these little details tied in with this. So we're here he's working there, and eventually, he can't even find enough to eat. He has to eat the food, the bean pods, or something like bean pods they only give to the animals. He'd have to eat those because he had nothing else to eat. And a light comes on, I would say. The Bible says he came to himself. He, uh something like hit him and he said, my, what am I doing? I had all the good that I could have wanted back in my father's house and look where I'm at. He's in a pigsty eating with the pig food. He wakes up and realizes, I have done wrong. I need to do something about this. And he resolves with himself that he's going to acknowledge that he's sinned, and he's going to go back to his father and ask his father for forgiveness and say, I don't even deserve to be one of your sons. Just make me one of your servants with hopes that his father's gonna accept them back. And he doesn't just think it, he follows through. So that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on. You already read it, you understand about it. But there's some principles we can glean from this if we're going to get things right with God. I hope that all of you are right with God right now. You're in fellowship with him, we're sinners said by grace. But if you're not, I hope that you'll listen carefully. If perchance down the line, I hope this doesn't happen, perchance down the line, you do stray away from the Lord, I want you to understand the Lord wants you to come back to him. So you must, first of all, take an honest look at yourself. Now let's look at the passage of scripture. He's now eating with the pigs. Nobody's giving him any handouts. There's no entitlements at that particular time, by the way. No federal government in the United States giving federal handouts. No food stamps, anything like that. It says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's hand have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. He came to himself after reflection about his plight. He realized his situation was terrible. I had it far better before. I'm in trouble. Now, the self-help movement of today would probably give some counsel to him and say, the reason why you're having these problems is because you don't love yourself enough. Now, excuse the pun, but that's hogwash, all right? That is not right teaching. This man did not say the reason why I have these problems are because I don't love myself enough. In essence, what he's saying is, I'm in trouble because I have acted selfishly. I have sinned against heaven and sinned against my father. I'm not even worthy of anything. The opposite of the self-help movement. So don't buy into that toxic poison that's saying you have to love yourself more. The reason why our culture is having so many problems because they love themselves too much. We've got to love ourselves less. In fact, the Apostle Paul says we are to deny ourselves. Ooh. They say that criminals, when they go to jail, one of the worst punishments that they have when they go is because their phones are taken away from them. I mean, it's like, What? We live in a world that's all caught up in what's called narcissism, love of self. And here's this man, this young man. He sees I'm in trouble. I've not done right. I have sinned. I could have had a whole much. I could have had a whole lot better back where my father was. He came to himself. This is contrary to ordinary religious thinking. I alluded to that when I spoke about the self-help movement, which is in Christian circles as well. The Pharisees were blind to their own faults. They thought that they were okay. They thought they were right. Living for self in your own ways will never satisfy your heart. He recognized he was in want. He was impoverished physically, but there was far more than that. The hymn writer who wrote grace, grace said sin and despair like the sea waves cold threaten the soul with infinite loss. You can enjoy the pleasures of sin but the Bible says for a season and the way the transgressor is hard there's no question about that someone said this a long time ago and I've used this quote a number of times our heart is shaped like a vacuum and it will never be filled unless it's filled with God in his ways. we have a vacuum it needs to be filled with him and everything else We realize it's empty living so you must take an honest look at yourself and i i I just want it before i go into this next point just try to say this if you don't do an honest examination of your heart and you're not right where god wants you to be you're not going to you're not going to get back into god's favor the way you want you have to look and say this is it this is it and um, you know joked about this a number of times but I get up in the morning, and my hair is all a mess. I don't really prefer to look in the mirror. And years ago, I was taking our children to school uh, about six miles away. I got in the shower, was driving, got got to the church where the Christian school was, went to my office, and the assistant pastor knocked on the door. He said, come on in, Mark. He came in and goes, what happened to you? I said, what do you mean? He says, go look in the mirror. I looked in the mirror. Here, my hair was. Man, it was going all over the place. I, I probably that was years ago. Maybe that would be accepted today. But it's like what? So I scolded my children. And I said, why didn't you tell me my hair was all messed? The, they, you know what they all said? We did. We kept telling you, Dad, you got to comb your hair, brush your hair. You are not paying attention. Well, uh, I looked in the mirror and I said, something has to be done. Just silly illustration, but if you want to get right with God, you have to look at yourself. Be honest. God sees it. And this man came to himself and he realized it, but you must also decide to get back in fellowship with the lord so it's one thing to know about it it's another thing to actually fall through oh uh, no one can force you to be in fellowship with the lord the prodigal had to decide he had to make a choice i will arise so he makes this decision but he he does go. He understands. I will rise and go. And it's the right choice. What His father is, uh, is not out at this point in time looking for his son, but now his father is waiting for him. The choice involves the painful task of forsaking sin. And to just briefly touch on this, he says, I will say I have sinned. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against others, and that's how we need to look at our sin as well. That is primarily against God, the psalmist. Psalm 51, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil against thy sight. Willingness to confess sin. He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh him shall have mercy. He was willing to accept the consequences of his sin. I'm no more worthy. Make me one of your hired servants. And then there had to be some kind of faith and belief that his father would accept him back. And you and I have to realize, too, and accept the fact that the Lord will forgive us. You might ask the question, will my father receive me back? I've interacted with a few people who have gone astray. Some who were lost, and they said they've got way away from God. Some who I believe are genuine believers. And they said, I've done so much wrong, you cannot believe all the wrong I've done. You think God will accept me? We will, will forgive me. Do you think He'll take me back? And I had assured him, yes, he would. But you have to decide to get back in fellowship with the Lord. And then I want you to see this. You must follow through on your decision. You see, he had his intention, it was good. He came to himself. He realized you know, what the problem was. He acknowledged in his head what he was going to say. He refreshed his mind about that. But now he follows through. And I would say, do not procrastinate. Have you heard this? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I would imagine there are some people actually in hell right now. You could be arguing saying, well, I planned on getting saved. I plan on getting rid of my sin, but it was too late. They waited too long. Yeah, the road to victory in Christ is oftentimes paved with good intentions. I will eventually. I'll get right with God. Do not procrastinate. Do not say, well, tomorrow I will. The next day I will. When I get it all together, I will. When this decision is made. No, go. And this man, there's no indication he waited for monitoring like that. The language conveys the idea that very quickly he went. And you know what he did? He confessed before his father. He actually did what he thought he was going to do. And you and I need to confess before, humbly before our Heavenly Father as well. I think about the, uh, there was a Pharisee and there was a publican Jesus spoke about, and the Pharisee stood on the, on the sidewalk, whatever, out in the public and says, God, I thank thee, I'm not as others, and I do this and I tithe and whatever. And the Bible, Jesus talks about the publican who wouldn't even look up so much to heaven and says, smote upon his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. In a sense, that's the spirit of the son who comes back. He confesses his sin. There's not just the regret angle, but there is repentance he was willing to turn from the sin. It's not just being feeling sorry for himself and not just hating the problem, but he hated the sin that caused it. Oh, he took an honest look of himself. He decided to come back into his father's fellowship and the Lord was there. The Lord, his father was there. And that's, of course, the picture of our heavenly father as well. And, of course, of Jesus. Now, I want to kind of wrap this up, this message, with a story heard that I think, in my estimation, conveys this thought that Jesus wants to save people. He wants to forgive us. He wants to restore us back, regardless of where we've gone, how far we've gone away from. He's there for us. He's anxious to forgive us. The Pharisees, oh no, they couldn't understand this. This is called the forgiveness tree. And be patient with me as I read this. Uh, Listen and think about this. There was a young man who had to stand trial for a crime he was accused of committing. His father, a wealthy and well-known rancher, was present for the proceedings After cross-examination and a jury's deliberation, the young man was found guilty as charged. His punishment was a prison sentence which would take years to complete. And he was handcuffed to be led away to his prison cell. Or as he was handcuffed to be led away to his prison cell, his father looked at his son one last time and said, I will never forgive you. You have brought disgrace on this family. When you have done your time, you are not welcome home again. The young man hung his head in shame and walked away. Years passed, and the disgraced son, no longer young, had paid for his crime. With shaking hands and a heart full of dread over the response he might receive, he wrote a letter begging for his father's forgiveness as he sat in his prison cell, in the weeks before his release. Daddy, the few scrawled sentences started. I'm almost ready to be released from prison. I will be on the train that will go right by past the ranch. If you have have forgiven me, please tie a white ribbon to the tree by the fence. If the white ribbon is not there, I won't get off the train but we'll keep on going and we'll never bother you again. The days passed and the newly released prisoner boarded the train. As the train neared his father's ranch, he couldn't bear to look out the window to see his response to his letter. So he asked the man sitting across the aisle if he would look for him. Tell me if there is a white ribbon in the tree by the fence. The other passenger Stared out the window as the train passed by the ranch. The man held his breath, waiting to hear whether he had been accepted or rejected. He dared to ask, Do you see a white ribbon in the tree? No, came the reply. The man's heart fell into his shoes. He had so hoped that time and his words would have softened his father's heart toward him. No, the other passenger repeated. Passenger repeated. There isn't just one white ribbon, but hundreds of white ribbons hanging from the tree and all along the fence. What does it mean? The forgiven rancher's son jumped to his feet to collect his things. What does it mean, he repeated with tears running down his cheeks. It means that my daddy has forgiven me and I'm going home, he shouted. I say to you, our Lord is waiting. And although it's a story, I realize this, in a certain sense, it's not just one white ribbon that God has hanging in the tree. He wants to forgive. And I know there are Christians say, I wanted to get back right with God. I knew I should. I heard about it. And I, God convicted me about it, and I delayed and delayed and delayed. Don't delay. Come back to Jesus. Come back to him yeah what does that mean it means repentance and when you repent let's be reminded this father was rejoicing he was rejoicing he said hey let's have a basically let's have a party a big party and bring the best food and the best robe and a ring and so on." it was the best let me tell you when you come back to jesus you will begin to realize how wonderfully gracious he is. You don't deserve it at all. But he brings the joy back in your heart. The peace back. You realize he really does love you. You're home. You're home with him in fellowship with him. Oh, that Christians would understand. He wants us to be back with him. He wants us to be in fellowship with him. He longs for us to be walking and talking in harmony with him. And he's ready to receive us back. And if we're here, if you're here and you've not come to our wonderful Savior, come, the Bible says there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who comes to him. I urge you, come to him if you need to. If you're already in fellowship with him, thank God, don't stray away from me. Enjoy the blessings of God. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We are reminded of uh, Your love and forgiveness in this these parables, Lord. And thank You that You are a forgiving God. I want personally thank You for forgiving me over and over again. Thank You in Your mercy and grace, Lord. We stand humbly before You. There could be somebody here who's Straying away, maybe others know about, it, maybe others don't, but you know. May they come back to you, knowing that you're forgiven. They can be back in fellowship with you. If you're someone who's not accepted you today, may today, Lord, they realize their sin. Realize that you sent your son to die on the cross for them. You want to forgive them. There's a risen Savior and they've put their trust in you and I pray that today they would be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed.